to episode 18 of Sounding Board. I'm Rob Langham, and today the prodigal son returns. <laughs> We're on location in a sweltering Cardiff, which probably won't mean much to you if you're listening to this in July after St Swithin's Day, and Ben Woolhead is back. Our main topic is the music of the Welsh capital that we're located in, with the occasional excursion to other parts of the country, while acknowledging that Cardiff is in no way an exemplar for Wales as a whole. It obviously has a certain centrality to the Principality's music scene. Later, we'll be assessing local artist Sweet Baboo's new LP, Wild Imagination. But first, Ben, any news that's caught your eye in the music world this week? Well, I thought I'd keep this um, vaguely local. Um, so first of all, um, very timely, um, Super Fury Animals announced yesterday um, that they are to release a remastered version of Radiator on the 28th of July, um, which will be marking its 20th anniversary. Um, to be honest, it's not really an album I'm massively familiar with. I think it's, it's very fondly thought of by a lot of people. Um, kind of a sort of tail end of Britpop album I think it's their second album wasn't it um, which start, started to give hints that there might be more to them than the whole Britpop thing they were kind of bundled in with um, hints of longevity there I, I started listening to a bit of it yesterday just to familiarise myself with it a bit more um, you know <clears throat> the International Language of Screaming is a great single um, there's some good stuff on there um, I, I wouldn't say I'm a, a massive fan of Super Furies but I think it's hard not to live in Cardiff and sort of absorb a lot of stuff that they're, they're coming out with really um, the other thing um, is another release um, related to Wales but not actually by a Welsh band at all um, and that is the uh, third album by Public Service Broadcasting which I think you're also a fan of um, not the album yet because you haven't heard it but the, the band Yes, um, much, yeah. the, the album is called Every Valley um, so for previous releases they've, they've sort of taken a topic and done a, a sort of a concept album they're kind of a concept band really aren't they um, so um, I must admit, I, I kind of been largely indifferent to them up to this point. I saw I saw them at Truck uh, two years ago, and they were, you know, or last year even they, they were fine, but I wasn't blown away by them. I kind of possibly thought they may be a little bit gimmicky. Um, so what they've done for this <coughs> this latest album, the, the last album, The Race for Space, um, followed the sort of US versus USSR space um, space race from the sort of late fifties, early sixties. They've come very much back down to earth, in fact, underground for this one, um, going for a more human, small-scale subject, which is coal mining um, in South Wales, um, which is quite an unusual topic for them, given that they apparently they don't really have any connection to it. They're, they're based in London. Um, I think one of the the main guy um, who's... Will, is it... Uh, I was going to say Thomas Turgoose, but yeah, it, so no, he's from like this that, is yeah. England, so it's not um, him. It's, is it Will, Will Goose or something like something that? Something like he, that, He... Yeah. Um, Apparently has a maternal or a, has a, has a relative who was once a minor that his mother's told him about, but he he's not picked it for that reason. He just thought there's a lot going on in the topic, so um, it's a fact. You know, it is an exceptional album. I'll say that I've, I've heard it because I've been reviewing it um, for a local magazine, which we'll get onto later. Um, fantastic album. It's as as there are other things that they've done. It's it's social history set to a, a really great soundtrack. Um, it's not often you, you would say about an album that's really well researched, but it is. The, the, the sound bites are amazing. Um, it goes from the optimism and promise of, of the sort of coal mining industry and the security and status that you could have as a miner, um, followed by the really dramatic decline, um, anger, defiance, and the sort of elegiac quality to it as well. Um, there's guest appearances on it, um, as you might imagine. James Dean Bradfield needs to say is on it, and the Manics 
uh, singer. Um, he's from, um, well, the mics are from Blackwood, so very much uh, the part of the world that uh, the album is about. Um, Tracy Ann Campbell is on it um, from Canberra Obscura. She sings on a song called Progress, um, which is a really good song on the album. Um, Richard Burton has some uh, lines on there as well <laughs> early on um, about the sort of uh, the untouchable status of the miners, which is really good. Really good at the very sort of outset of the album. Um, the highlights for me there's a song called All Out, which is I think the sixth song, which is when they've got as far as the sort of strike action. And it is, it is an incredible song. If you, if you know the band much before, um, it, it's, it's a lot more intense. It's very like Mogwai, to be honest. It's really, really intense. Um, and then um, there's a, uh, a song after that, um, sort of two or three songs later, called You and Me, which is a, a bilingual duet um, in the face of, of sort of collapse of industry and community about effectively people having each other to allow, couples having each other to rely on. Um, I, I wish I'd been out to see them early this month. They played a couple of launch gigs at the Abbeyvale Institute, um, which I think is where they did some of the research and um, some of the interviews. Um, and I, they're both sold out. Um, I could have possibly sneaked in, but I, I wasn't able to in the end. Um, one of them was on election night, so that would have been a really interesting gig to have gone to. Um, they're playing in Cardiff at the Great Hall on the 13th of October, so hopefully I'll get to see them then. Um, so certainly I'd, I'd definitely recommend that to you and definitely as well. Yes, well, I've heard the song Progress yes. and thought that was tremendous. Uh, so, yeah, they're... Uh, that's, that's not even the best song. Certainly a favourite band. And I would say that I saw them at Truck in 2013 and they were brilliant. And I think the key thing in that performance was they were in one of the smaller tents. They were on the main stage when I saw them, which is yeah. possibly the... And they were doing the Race for Space stuff, I think. So, were they doing the War Room EP and things when you... Yeah, that's it's very, very much well. the uh, the previous album. Yes. Inform, Educate, Entertain, yes. or whatever yeah. it's called. And, and I do think well I think main stages just generally it's very hard to find a band who are going to be better on a main stage yeah. than they're going to be yeah. on a smaller tent so uh, that 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 sounds great yeah really looking forward to that with keen anticipation it's fallen a little bit between the cracks in terms of having it as an album of the month so that's why we thought we'd sort of talk about it with a little bit more sort of attention yeah. uh, this time out in terms of news from me um, I just want to kind of highlight something that Ben on his blog, which we're going to publicise a bit later on, has, has raised, which is a, a website called Arctic Drones, which is a post-rock website, has has, has gone down the road, a very interesting road, of, of, of actually charging bands and, I don't know, managers, I guess, for reviews, which seems to me to open a whole can of worms. And we're hoping to return to this with a, a whole episode devoted to kind of music industry ins and outs. But... Ben, I mean, you, you've written a blog post about this at Silent Words Speak Loudest. Any more thoughts it's, on that? It's a very interesting case. They've, they've effectively said that um, they've, they've decided to charge bands um, for reviews. I think it's $15, which I think is they're saying is kind of a nominal sum, effectively. But they're doing it because they, they feel like they're owed compensation for the time that their writers spend, time and effort the writers spend um, on you know, producing good reviews. Now... I don't think anyone... There's been a massive outcry about this, I should say. I should, I'm certainly not the only person to have <clears throat> thought this is a very strange move. Um, I think it's very hard to know who pays for music in this day and age, also who pays for, for reviews and writing. Now, I think they, um, the obvious thing to me is, is, is adverts if you want to raise some revenue or potentially the whole paywall thing. And if people think your content's good enough, they'll pay for it. But the idea of charging bands seems to me to be completely biting the hand that feeds and they, they've already made they already said they have a policy of only reviewing things that they really like 
So they're effectively wanting bands that they really like to pay them to listen to their and talk about their albums, or, you know, write about albums, which seems very strange. Um, they're also kind of they need to be absolutely clear and don't seem to have accepted the fact that this basically makes them adverts, not reviews. Um, and they're still on their on their website on their Twitter as well. They're saying they're still describing themselves as an independent website, which to me is a nonsense. They, you know, there's actually interesting. They actually have a sort of PR um, company that's that's kind of attached or spun out of the website. But it seems to me that the whole website, effectively, the way they're doing it, is effectively now a PR exercise anyway. So if they're transparent about that and open about that, I think that's fair enough. But if they're still going to say this is a review or this is an independent website, I think that's very problematic. Um, and there's a lot of people, <coughs> either from related websites, so Echoes and Dust, I, I heard about it from, um, kind of a sort of related website, um, or in the same sort of ballpark. And they've the guys behind that site are, are, are really sort of think this is a re- really problematic decision. And I think that's something that's shared by a lot of a lot of other musicians in in the area. There's been a lot of people kind of saying they're effectively cutting ties with them over this. And they kind of said, weirdly, that they don't really care if this affects things negatively because it means that they'll have less to wade through and, and all this. And I kind of think that seems a very odd attitude to take. If they if they feel like they should be... They're resentful of the amount of time and effort it's, it's taken them to, to work on the site, Then and it's something they supposedly love, then just kill it off. Don't, don't try and, you know, upset people in this way. But it's very strange to me. It's a difficult one, isn't it? Yeah. Um, if anybody wants us to review their album on the website, um, checks to Ben Wallhead. <laughs> Thanks very much. More than fifteen dollars yeah. as well. Yeah, no, five hundred quid. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. But anyway, yeah, that's that's something that I think is such a thorny issue, and the whole issue of paying for online content, I think, is something that is is well worth exploring. But if it is paid for, I think that the payment should yeah. come from the consumers rather than the producers. One would think so. I would think. And but then you have Patreon and other methods yeah, of doing yeah. it, which I think are very interesting. And, and generally, I think we have to rally around and acknowledge that people generally deserve to be paid for, for online endeavours. But they, They've said that they've tried lots of different avenues and it hasn't worked, but other people like Echoes and Dust have are yeah. doing Patreon, I think, and it seems to be working for them. So I, I just find, I just think it's a very... A very strange decision that they've all unanimously all the writers have said okay let's, let's do this this is a good idea and it's clearly being received as a bad idea by a lot of people yeah so. it will actually probably ironically drive uh, traffic towards their site now because but i then, think a lot of people haven't heard of them so it, yeah. well i've not heard of them and, and i went on the site and it's a good site to be honest it's a good site but yeah. if you you now can't read any review you know they they were always say, already saying they were only reviewing things they liked but now they're saying we're only reviewing things that we like and have been paid for. And you yeah. can't take what they what they say with any credibility, really. We'll leave it at that. Yeah. After this break, we're going to be delving into all things music in Wales. Hello again. As I said earlier on, we're in Cardiff today on a very, very hot day indeed. And if you think that the drum, the drone that you can hear in the background is some kind of very low-key post-rock band <laughs> trying out in the next room to us, you'd be right. Except you wouldn't really. It's actually the air conditioning in the studio here. Tonight we're going to talk about Cardiff and, and Wales a little bit in general because like a lot of places, the, the central city, even if a lot of the bands aren't actually from there, acts as a magnet in terms of its sort of gigs men, venues and labels for, for bands to hang out in and as in previous pods where we've 
recently talked about things like Britpop and also the noughties and each of us on the panel has discussed a favourite act or an act that we think is worthy of discussion. Ben and I, just the duo tonight of course, are going to talk about a band each from Cardiff and Environ. So Ben, first of all, who are you going to treat us um, to a discussion Well, with? I'm going to go for Los Capacinos, um, possibly, well, an obvious choice, but it's, it's quite a personal choice to me. Um, they are, so I, I moved back to Cardiff in, at Christmas, um, but I lived here for a year and a half or so before in sort of 2006 to 2007. Um, so my first stint in the city completely coincided with, with them emerging. Um, I kind of feel like, in a way, I grew up alongside them or vice versa. <clears throat> I've taken a real vicarious pleasure in seeing them um, grow to prominence, um, such as it is. You know, you wouldn't say they've got a massive stature, but they're, they're quite a well-known band. Um, I've watched them going from playing upstairs in Dempsey's um, to the other stage at Glastonbury in a space of a couple of years, uh, three, four years. Um, so I kind of feel quite emotionally invested in their, the journey they've taken. Um, so they, they started, um, I think, 2005, maybe something like that. Um, there were seven of them originally. There's only three original members now left. That's Gareth, who's the vocalist, um, lyricist, um, Tom, who writes all the music, and Neil, who's the bassist. Um, none of them, interestingly, are actually Cardiff natives. Um, they only formed... Uh, they were formed as students at the university, um, which kind of ties into something we were talking about in the... Um, or you were talking about in the Manchester episode... Um, about the importance of students to that city um, in that, yeah, they were all students um, and they kind of stayed in Cardiff after they left university as well. Um, they kind of emerged from a, what I'd say is like an indie pop scene, which I might talk about a bit more later on. Um, they've always been about a bit more than that, really. Uh, a real sort of confluence of, of influences. Um, Gareth is a huge, huge fan of the beautiful South. Um, Tom is a massive Yola Tango fan. Um, to the extent that when I saw them in Cardiff in 2006, he was heckling the band, shouting out random song titles to them. Um, and Neil always used to be pictured wearing a shellac t-shirt, so they're, they're not really your average indie pop band. Um, there was a real effervescence and exuberance to the early releases. Um, I first saw them uh, at the point, it was, it was a funny uh, gig to first see the band at, I first saw them at the point, which was a, a much-missed um, uh, venue, it was a, a church, converted church, when they'd been handpicked to support Broken Social Scene. That was in August 2006. And then a month later, they were playing, playing upstairs at Dempsey's again, upstairs of a pub. Um, and uh, um, they were, and then later that year, they played at club, I think, as part of a project called This Town Ain't Big Enough for the 22 of Us, which was a sort of compilation album showcasing lots of bands from the scene at the time. Um, they've actually kind of... Disowned. They quickly disowned a lot of the material um, from that their first album, uh, "Hold On Now, Youngster." Um, but uh, they've kind of matured a lot over the last over sort of the course of six albums. I think their their new stuff is as good as it's ever been, really. Um, so things that are interesting about Los Capacinos, I, I think um, in episode fifteen, um, Rob, you were talking about the noughties and you were talking about the influence of the sort of decline of the mainstream music press and the rise of. Uh, online sources of information and Los Campesinos are really a, a great case study because um, Yumi Dancing was picked up by, one of their early songs was picked up by several American based mp3 blogs um, in sort of 2006, early 2006 I think and that's what brought them to the attention of Broken Social Scene in the first place and their producer 
David Newfield, who then went on to produce Los Campesinos, um, it meant they had a really sort of quite significant profile and a buzz before they'd even played many gigs. Very like Arctic Monkeys, I guess. Mm. Um, not quite on the same level, but... Um, so Yumi Dancing was a song about uh, the indie pop club night that used to take place in Dempsey's. Um, it became a sort of signature song um, and then a millstone, very much like sort of creep or smells like teen spirit. Um, and they eventually then sold it to Budweiser for advertising, which helped them uh, sort of keep them going, really. Um, it's interesting that they're sort of a moderately successful band, but they still have to do that kind of thing to and work day jobs to keep themselves going. Um, one of the things that I, I always really loved about Los Campesinos is that they, they're definitely heart-on-sleeve music fans, um, and sometimes music snobs, but I think, you know, so am I at times, that's fair enough. Um, their first album had an ode to All Tomorrow's Parties. They're always plugging other acts. Um, I guess they could have sort of be accused of being self-appointed tastemakers, but I'd much rather that than bands who just seem to focus on just their own thing. Um, they have really genuine enthusiasm and passion for music. They're not they're not merely sort of careerists, um, which I think makes a real connection and bond between them and the people who are actually buying their music. Um, I, you do see a lot of bands who, who you do wonder... Do they do they ever really go and see music? Do they ever really listen to other things? And and back in the day, you'd go to any gig in Cardiff, and there'd be at least two members of Los Campesinos present. Mm-hmm. They almost had like a sort of delegation they used to send out, um, which is really good to see that they they they're general genuine fans. Okay, yeah, I mean, I've I've not hundred percent okay with their entire career, but what I've got, I really enjoy. They're one of these kind of latter era kind of indie bands, but the sheer exuberance I think is is entertaining. I think Gareth is he from Somerset or somewhere? Yes, like yeah, yeah. He's a, a really keen, um, uh, really keen football fan as well. Yes. So a lot of the lyrics have football references, and he's, um, I think he's actually an amateur goalkeeper as well. Oh, is he? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah, so that, there you go. We've kicked off our Wales discussion with a band that aren't Wales, <laughs> but never mind. Um, now on for my one, which is a pretty obvious one to pick, and I think I picked them not because they're my favourite band, but as much to do with them being a worthy topic of discussion, and that's, of course, the, the Manic Street Preachers. Um, they actually come from Blackwood, which uh, I think is probably about 40 minutes away, something not like far, that. Not far, yeah, in the valleys, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah, so not far away. It's a small town, um, but obviously they would have spent a lot of time in Cardiff, not least with some of the later gigs, including big ones at the Millennium Stadium. I think it's certainly where they cut the teeth. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, early singles including You Love Us were on Heavenly which obviously was a really credible label to be on in the early 90s produced so much good stuff but they really sort of shot to prominence with the infamous incident when uh, Richie Edwards uh, was interviewed by Steve Lamack and the enemy and took out was it a razor blade or a knife I can't remember I can't remember now yeah some kind of sharp instrument and and carved the words for real into his arms and and you know to be fair in some ways as a way of launching a career that wasn't far off because up to then I think a lot of people had viewed them as being pretty cartoonish and I think the word sixth form <laughs> was was spoken more than once about them uh, to this day a lot of people will see them as being horrendously overrated uh, the first two LPs Generation Terrorists and Gold Against the Soul were, were solid workouts um, although Richie was rumoured not to have played a note on the <laughs> latter um Nicky Wire, who was the main guitarist, was rumoured, well, he, he got into a bit of hot water in the music press, which one can only imagine would have blown up to extraordinary levels had there been social media at the time by, you know, baiting the likes of Michael Stipe and New Age Travellers and, and various other personages. Uh, sadness 
appeared on a couple of things. First of all, with the death of their manager and publicist Philip Hall in 1993, but then by the the still much talked about disappearance of, of Richie. You know, suffered horrendously from depression. Uh, if you go back and look at some of the music press from the time, I don't know how how available it is online, but there are still some very very interesting interviews with him and. And you know he disappeared sort of near the near the, the bridge over the bridge, seven, yeah. Didn't he, yeah, you know, and, yeah. and you know the car was found, the money, the credit cards, that kind of stuff. I think, but no sign of him. You know, there's been sightings in India and things, but I mean, I think you know not too long after that, I think the police called off the hunt. So, yeah, yeah. So very very sad. Uh, but he'd been involved in in the album, which I think you know the the, the Cognoscenti probably see as being their kind of you know high point which is the Holy Bible. Um, I'm not sure I entirely agree with that, but certainly in terms of the most visceral, it, it's it's the one. Uh, remarkably tuneful as well, it has to be said in places. And then after Richie went, they had a kind of, you know, New Order-esque kind of catharsis, really, and, and Everything Must Go was released, which turned out to be just massive, absolutely massive. So since then, you know, they the next album, This Is My Truth, Tell Me Yours, was also like a big hit. Uh, they've become kind of rock aristocracy since really uh, and certainly they've really played up the Welshness in the last year particularly with Wales fantastic performance in the European Championships in 2016 they were very much in the vanguard of that um, penning the really quite frankly awful uh, <laughs> anthem and, well I didn't uh, think it was in terms of football songs I didn't think actually it was that, that bad um, well I think we, <laughs> we, we, we might have the football different. song episode later <laughs> on but uh, I, I think uh, I saw them last last year for the first time actually at Truck Festival and I thought they were terrific I mean you know yes it's it's meat and potato stuff at times but they really were a great live band with great songs. James Dean Bradfield's a great frontman. Nicky Wire's a great sort of guitarist, and uh, yeah, so I think I think they've got like a place there in sort of Welsh culture, certainly and British culture generally, over the last 25, 30 years, haven't they? I mean, Ben, you're a fan. I'm, I'm a fan. The Holy Bible. Uh, more, yeah, more sort of um, early fan, I would say. I'd, I'd agree. They're, they're a very hit and miss band. Um, Mavericks, you would say. The, the meat and potatoes thing is very interesting because I think, I think recent albums, some of them have been meat and potatoes, but I don't think you could really ever accuse them of being meat and potatoes lyrically. I think lyrically they're often very interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, I, I like the fact they kind of stood at that, that period of time when they emerged, they kind of stood outside everything else, um, including Britpop. They kind, of, they kind of got caught up in it when it got to Everything Must Go, I can't tell them, but they, they kind of stood outside it, really. Um, they 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 you know there was no no sacred cows they 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 got a bit of a claim for generation terrorists sort of stirring mm. things up um they got the backing of the indie press and then they immediately released an album that's influenced by guns and roses that everyone was horrified by um gold against the soul which is which is a, a good album as well i think the holy bible for me is is an absolutely astonishing album i think musically it's it's great lyrically i, I can't think of a more um yeah a more staggering album to be honest i was lucky enough to see the the anniversary, one of the anniversary shows at the Roundhouse, um, and it was great. But it's kind of a measure of of Manix that once they finished playing the album, um, they then started an encore of, of recent stuff, and I felt quite happy about leaving. Um, I've seen I've seen at Glastonbury do a sort of greatest hits set, and they they are you know they are very they are very very good. Um, I mean, I'm also a big fan of Everything Must Go, I must say, and even you know This Is My Truth, Tell Me Yours is a very much maligned album, but I think it's very good. Um, You've got to give credit to a band who can take a song about the Spanish Civil War to, to number one above Steps. I think you know. I think that's 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 something yep. to be commended. 
And if you tolerate this, you're going to be in for a lot more Welsh music chat next. <laughs> uh, so, so just talking about Welsh music, and we're going to move back. We mentioned the Britpop era there, which the Manics were kind of in the middle of, whether they were part of that or not is a debate. But, you know, that's to leave to one side for a couple of minutes. But first of all, the antecedents of the Welsh music scene. We're going back. Uh, any names you want to pick out? Ben? Well, I was, I was going to say, just, just first of all about Cardiff. Kind of, you kind of touched on this already, but it's, it's got a sort of... Um, Obviously, it's a capital city, so it's got this associated cachet and culture. I think it's kind of it's a it is a bit of a focal point for um, for events and funding, and it draws people from all over Wales. Um, but it's also actually a very manageable size, Cardiff, which is interesting. So, obviously, the, the podcast is based in Oxford, which feels like a very manageable size. Well, I don't think Cardiff feels like a particularly sprawling city, really. Um, Again, the scene is kind of, I guess you could call it quite incestuous, which we might, again, we'll touch on probably. Um, in terms of, like, famous old names, um, before the sort of early to mid-90s, I'd say it was very sparse pickings, really. Um, there's not many to list. I, you'd, you'd say Budgie, um, who were sort of a big influence on Iron Maiden, and one of their songs, Bread Fan, was covered by Metallica, first on a, a single from 1988, The Harvester of Sorrow, but then they... It also was on the, the compilation album, the covers album, Garage Inc. Um, so that kind of brought them a bit of extra attention. And the only other big name, sort of pre-90s, I would say, is, is or big name in inverted commas, is, is Young Marble Giants, yeah. um, who sort of very minimalist post-punk, a bit at odds with a lot of other post-punk going on. Um, one of those bands where the influence definitely outweighs the, the commercial achievements. Um, then he put out one album... Uh, Colossal, Colossal Youth in 1980 um, they were uh, apparently one of Kurt Cobain's two favourite bands according to his journals um, and uh, I understand one of the guys, Phil Moxham um, is still making music with the Irascibles who I might be seeing later this month uh, right. uh, no, next month uh, at a, a benefit, all day benefit gig um, apparently it's quite different to <laughs> Young Marvel Giants um, but he is still involved in the scene so I, there's not an awful lot I, mean, I don't know whether you had anything else you can well I mean I absolutely love Young Marvel Giants I think I mean the XX have a yes. big, big get to them which yeah. has actually very rarely been mentioned by the XX or anyone else but I mean Young Marvel Giants very understated music but it's a fantastic yeah. album Colossal Youth really really terrific I urge anyone who hasn't heard it to well you, you can urge me because I, I, I've heard bits of it but I haven't heard you know, yeah. I feel like I really should especially because like I say doing research for this realising that there's Cardiff hasn't got a lot of legacy back, you know. Not not when we're looking at comparing it to the likes of Manchester, like you know, we've covered before in Glasgow. Um, but they certainly they, they do crop up a lot as a as a, a band that have had a bigger influence. Without especially from one album as well, it must be uh, it must be worth listening to. You'd imagine so. Um, yeah, that's right. And and I mean, I think the other thing I'd mention actually about Wales, just to take it slightly outside the realm of pop, is Wales. Of course, if you talk to anybody from the general public in Britain is known for music it is you know Welsh people are renowned as rightly or wrongly it might be a horrific cliche as having the best singing voices oh there's a, there's a Welsh a male voice UK. choir at the end of the public service broadcasting album the yeah. last song and uh, that is I don't think we should ignore that no. I think it's kind of part of the story then of course one of the major figures and I'm not sure he's exactly from Cardiff it would be Tom Jones who, yeah. who you know is probably still the most famous Welsh artist yeah. of all time is he from Cardiff? Shirley Bassey's from Cardiff, actually. Have not Shirley, Shirley Bassey. Yeah, should have mentioned it. that. She's yeah. from from well, what you'd call Tiger Bay rather than the Bay. Not 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 the Bay is now. Um, so yeah, I'm not I'm not entirely sure where Tom Jones is from actually. But, no, um, but if you think of those '60s kind of characters, or Shirley Bassey might be slightly after that. They they maybe tie into that 
sort of wider cultural Welsh thing was going on in that era with you know, Richard Burton's and your yeah. Anthony Hopkins you yeah. know and yeah. I think like a real kind Quite of possibly. new wave you know I'm, I'm making this up as I go along but I think no but he just the, talking about them has made me realise that when I was looking for, for antecedents I was basically looking at bands rather yeah. than you know, surely Bassington and Jones are bigger than certainly bigger than Budgie and uh, young well, Marble Giants in terms of the public than consciousness the probably yeah, oh yeah, yeah. oh, yeah. So, oh yeah. Yeah. yeah so so what about that Britpop era um, well um, um the Manics kind of got sucked into it with, well, got sucked into it or sucked themselves into it with with everything must go. Um, there was also Super Fury Animals we've mentioned before, um, whose first album was Fuzzy Logic. Um, I I saw them at Reading that year, '96, um, and I I must say I they had a tank on stage. Other than that, I just was it on stage or was it just with them. Either way, I dismissed them as just basically a Britpop band. I was not a, a Britpop fan. I should make that very clear. Good, yeah. thing, good thing I wasn't on the episode. Like <laughs> um, but they they've become they certainly since then have, have become a very interesting and well respected band. And certainly a band that even when I don't always like what they do, I I admire what my own hero. I think um, then bands that I don't respect and like uh, Stereophonics, Catatonia. Um, Gorky's Psychotic Monkey were a good band. They kind of got sucked into it. I think they were around a bit before, but they Certainly kind of got, got dragged into it. Band, no, but they kind of got dragged into yeah. it. And they're from um, they're North Wales. North Wales, yeah. yeah. And mm. 60 Foot Dolls, another band there from Newport. Yeah. Um, so it kind of got this... There was a whole Cool Britannia thing, and there was this label, Cool Cymru, that came out of this. And it became a bit of a sort of... Again, I think it became a bit of a millstone on on Cardiff and on, on Welsh music generally. It, it sort of... I think it feels to some people there's a sort of shadow that they can't quite escape from underneath. There's not really been any bands since them that have been produced that have been of the same stature, I wouldn't say, really. Um, so it's kind of, it, it feels like something that they're, they're struggling to escape the influence of, really. Yeah, I mean, I think you've probably, Ben, I'm going to accuse you a bit of being a bit like me when it comes to golf. For years, I kind of didn't count the cure as golf because I didn't like goth but I liked the cure <laughs> and, and I, I think the Manics I certainly wouldn't call Holy Bible a Britpop album but I think um, Everything Must Go Holy Bible you know, pretty squarely really in, falls into the category Holy you know? Bible released in 94 the high high watermark in inverted commas I will say that yeah. of, of Britpop but it's, that, it's, that, is, that is not but it's yeah, not Britpop it's Everything Must Go different. Everything Must Go admittedly was one of those albums that suddenly appealed to people who were buying Shine compilations yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, I agree but yeah. I still think it was a great you know a great album, Design for Life. The first, the first lines of Design for Life are not something you're going to be hearing on a menswear album. You know? No, um, I've got a special place in my heart actually for the Space and Keris um, Tom Jones oh, song. Jesus, yeah. <laughs> let's not get into that. No, I think I think that was that 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 single had a certain amount of bravura, sort of um, hutzpah, basically, shall we say, that I think was enjoyable and caught the mood of the time. I've, so, um, yeah. I've, I've, I didn't have time for Catatonia before, but I've. I have I actually have some time some time for Keris Matthews now for the radio thing, but um, I used to work with someone who was in a very original incarnation of Catatonia, and she got booted out by Keris and didn't have a good word to say about oh, it. Really, so that kind of coloured my opinions yeah, as well. Yeah, I always thought that she was a good kind of personality. And no, I think, I think on radio, yeah, I think yeah, she's yeah, and you know she sort of did a lot in terms of her sort of public face and everything. And like Britpop, one of the things we discussed about on the Britpop episode, which was two or three episodes ago, where we had Mike Gibbons and Tom Sutton on. Was, was the laddishness of Britpop and yes. I, I think it was important that there were a few acts that kind of counteracted that really yeah, you know? yeah. Um, so fair play to Keris uh, and uh, yeah interesting Gorky's I think are just in that kind of pastoral tradition that lies outside everything really. we might we might yeah. come back on to them again a bit yeah. later on as well but in terms of one of the things I was sort of thinking of is, is what what genres 
are there kind of particularly popular? You know, Britpop isn't really a, is it a genre, I don't know, but particularly popular in Cardiff. Now, for this and a few other things, I actually spoke to um, Noel Gardner, who's the um, listings and music editor for Buzz, a sort of local local magazine, What's On Guide sort of thing. Um, for I think it's, I think it's South Wales, but but largely focused on Cardiff. He also um, writes for the Quietest and has written for Enemy and things. I want his opinion on things, and um, he he didn't feel like there's anything that's partic- particularly specific to Cardiff. But I, I kind of kind of beg to differ in a sense. That I think there's it does seem to be a sort of indie pop thing going on in Cardiff. Um, so. The Poo Sticks are from Cardiff, mm. and it's kind of like there certainly was a, a sort of scene in that going on when I was here the first time around, so like 2006, um, kind of around this Twisted by Design club night. Um, so Gary, the guy who, who DJed that club night, ran the club night. He he still DJs in Cardiff. He DJs at the Moon now um, on a Thursday night, so he's still going. There seems to be also like a, quite a, a lot of folk music going on. Um, a band called Gentle Good. Um, there's quite a lot of quite a lot going on that front. Um, noise, noisy sort of punk stuff. Um, mm. I think Neil would uh, refuse, would sort of excommunicate us if we didn't mention McCluskey and uh, and Future of the Left. Yeah. Um, so there's there's them and the bands that they've kind of spawned. There's also very interesting sort of a real explosion, in the sort of early to mid noughties of the sort of metalcore, hardcore coming from the valleys. So this is. Dare mention the name Lost Profits, but it's also Bullet for My, uh, Bullet for My Valentine, Funeral for a Friend, Midasuno, and the Blackout bands like that that are coming, all coming out of the um, the valleys. Um, there was a time, um, looks a bit ridiculous now, when Newport was being talked about as a new Seattle, um, and there's an article on Noisy, I think that I was reading, written by the guy from Funeral for a Friend, saying that you know that was always nonsense. Um, but it was actually being talked up in those terms. Yeah. Mm. Um, so I, I think there are kind of genres that are sort of post that Britpop period that have been kind of quite associated with with South Wales and, and Cardiff. But I mean, what about we've mentioned a few of these acts already? But if you're talking about the kind of anthemic, rabble rousing, vaguely kind of protest against the English establishment tradition that you know maybe the manic show a little bit stereophonics a little bit as well pa- some parallels to some of the like, primary Irish bands Scottish bands like Idlewild is there that kind of you know you can imagine being in a in a kind of you know a, a local pub and everybody kind of singing along and you know a, to kind of rebel songs or whatever is that not, is that not especially it? Um, I'll, I'll kind of kind of come on to sort of political things when we talk about Welsh language I think later on but I think, yeah. I think the, I mean the Manics have always been a, a sort of political band but I think they're also they're quite a country band are they are they are they, na- are they a nationalist band I'm not entirely sure I think and the same with Stereophonics I think are don't have a lot to say most of the time anyway no. but I think you know I think there's the, the, the Super Furies again you'd say they're kind of proudly Welsh but not necessarily I don't know not nationalist but they there's um, in terms of the sort of political engagement the, the Manics are the kind of they are the, the political ones and they've written songs specifically about political situations in Wales yeah um, and and obviously then kind of doing things like doing the the, the anthem for the Welsh team last year is kind of yeah. just, just sort of contributing to that as well I think um, but yeah, none of the bands I've just mentioned there are kind of in that, in that ballpark. I mean, going back to the 
eighties. There's a band Anna Evan, I think, who were played a lot. I think by I, think, I seem to remember Janice Long playing them a lot on Radio One. I, I wonder what became of them. I, I think they were vaguely punky, certainly very countercultural, right. you know. Right. Um, so yeah. Anyway, um, if anybody can enlighten us as to what happened to them, that would be great. Uh, we're at, at Sounding Board sixty nine on Twitter. In terms of current recommendations, I mean, you're now living in the city for your second spell, Ben. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I should have loads. I've been loads of gigs. I should have loads no, now. but I think just pick up one or two that really stand well, out. I, I, that's the thing. I, I've, I've been to a lot of gigs, and I've, I've not really seen many local bands, to be honest. Yeah. I should be, should be going to more local local nights. Um, so, I, I again, I asked Noel about this, because he's obviously got his ear to the ground. Um, and he came up with a, a list, interestingly, two of which were the two that I'd thought of which that's quite gratifying because I saw them and thought well <clears throat> they're very good are they are they you know among the best Carlos Scott off and he, he agrees so one a band called Neurotic Fiction um, who are sort of punky indie pop um, a bit pixiesy a bit rough around the edges um, I saw them supporting Sacred Paws back in February there's a sort of thing that certainly um, not dissimilar to Los Campesinos I guess um, in the early days um, and then there's a band called Twisted Ankle, who I support, I saw supporting um, Part Chimp at Club. They um, definitely got a McCluskey Future Left influence going on. Mm. They were actually plugged before the gig on Twitter by Jimmy Watkins, who until recently, or fairly recently, I think, was in Future of the Left. Um, they've got that combination of, of aggression and wit. They've also got a lot of silliness. They had a whole load of sort of comic stage dialogue going on. Um, the drummer also works in the road uh, in the pub over the road from my house. So the mm. following day, I went in and said how much I enjoyed the gig. Um, they they're, they're really good. Um, you know how much longevity they've got. I don't know, but certainly, and whether you'd buy a record, don't know. But seeing them live, they were very entertaining. Um, Noel also mentioned a few others. He said, um, sort of reflecting his tastes, I guess. But the death of money, a sort of shoegazy doom sort of band, chain of flowers, um, post punky, quite joy division, I think. Um, uh, rope, a bit post-hardcore, and then there's a band called Van Illa, who sadly I started listening to them. Um, sadly, they've just split up, um, but they're sort of gar- sort of female uh, garage punk band. Again, very entertaining. It's a bit of a shame that they're they're no longer with us. Okay, and I would say that having been to Truck Festival last year, where a whole stage is devoted to kind of Welsh music and up and coming music, I was very impressed with Afro Cluster. Nothing new, really, I think, but a real good time, kind of jazzy. It sort of reminded me a little bit, dare I say it, of the, of the sort of you know, acid jazz era, you know, where you have like a big band of about 12 or 13 people on there just having a bloody good time, multiracial lineup. Really good band. I thought they were really exciting, and it would be lovely to see them get out around the country and play a bit because it was one of those gigs where, you know, no one had heard of them, so it started off with about. 20 people in the tent and by the end you know people were being drawn in from the outside because there was a real hubbub so so look out for Afro Cluster I think they're a great band just yeah. to say uh, who, who puts on that tent then is that is that, um, is that like a promoted promoter from Wales and it's it, a um, promoted tent but I can't remember who it is I mean that's something that we might put in the Twitter feed you know just but they've to, kind of decided to try and yeah. use it as an opportunity because obviously Truck is great for promoting local bands but um, yeah whether they're going to do it again this year I think they have done it the last couple though so you know and I think it's been a big success and I thought last year to be honest most of the stuff that I enjoyed the most was, was, was really? in that tent. Yeah. So, so Wales, you know, has it's got a lot to It's offer. not, you know, Oxford, I suppose, isn't a million miles from from um, from Cardiff. Uh, and I think uh, I remember going to, like, Gathering Festival one year, back when that happened, 2012 or 2013, and there was actually quite a lot of Welsh bands playing that. But unfortunately, it was the same weekend as the Soon Festival, 
which yeah. we might talk about. Um, and the Soon Festival seemed to have cherry picked the best acts. <laughs> so yeah. we the ones that were playing Gathering weren't all great. Let's just say that. But yeah. this does seem to be sort of a bit of a cultural exchange going on. Yeah, I think so. Um, so, so Ben, you're new, you're new here, and you've been getting your head around the venue scene. And I'm going to ask you quickly a few questions about sort of on the ground where stuff is happening. So, yeah. in terms of the venues, it's quite a long list, I think, isn't there? Yeah. So, I mean, the kind of the focal point uh, for a lot of lot of things, a lot of people is, is Club E4 Bach, um, which is known as the Welsh Club. They don't like it, but people do still call it the Welsh mm. Club. Um, it's welcome to everyone. Um, it's a sort of place where you, where you, maybe not now, but in the past, you'd go in and be able to order in Welsh and instantly be understood. Um, it's got an upstairs room and a downstairs room. I've seen countless gigs in there, including since I, when I was first here and since I've been back. Um, when we were talking about live music back in episode 11, um, we were talking about the selection of drinks being an issue. Now, they, they support two local breweries, um, Pipes and Crafty Devil, so that's really good to Brilliant. see. Yeah. Um, so I've seen a few things there since I've been back. Amber Arcades, Part Chimp, Idols. Um, so that's on Womanby Street, which is a bit of a hub for the for the city. Um, it's also got the Moon, which is formerly the Full Moon. Um, I saw Nod there on election night. Um, I have to say, I've never seen bar staff taking it turns to crowd surf. I think it was the easiest way to get back to the bar when they were <laughs> glasses. Um, and there's also the, next to that the Rock Bar Fuel, um, which is really good as well. It does have the odd gig. Um, there's a couple of venues that are kind of new since I uh, since I left Cardiff. And that's Tramshed and Globe. They're run by the same people. Um, Tramshed is a former Tramshed um, down by the train tracks. Uh, it definitely fulfills the city's need for a decent mid-sized venue, which it didn't really have um, when I was here first time. So they've had I've seen the Fall and Julian Cope there, and they've also had things like mm-hmm. Death Heaven and Tower and uh, yep. back in April. Um, the Globe's a bit out of the city centre, but it's a good venue. Um, they've actually had a bit of a bit of a habit over recent years to have a lot of covers bands on, but they seem to be moving out of that again uh, now, which is good to see. So I've seen Besnard Lakes and Melt Banana in the space of a week there, back at the end of May, beginning of June. Um, other venues, there's Undertone, which is, I think, quite underused by bands. Um, that's where the Sacred Pause gig that I mentioned before was, but they seem to be focused on club nights and dance events, to be honest. Um, there's... Uh, the St John's Church out in Canton where I actually live um, about sort of 20 minute walk from the city centre and there's a promoter New Sound Wales puts on gigs there um, you know I think there's always something quite special about seeing bands in churches um, so it's nice to know that the, the card has still got one it used to have the point but that, that got shut down in 2008 or nine, I think um, and then there's the University which in my experience isn't a great venue <coughs> um, the St David's Hall um, which again I haven't been to, and it obviously attracts lots. It's sort of comedy and things as well, but um, they've got banana banana armor coming up in November, right. so I'm quite keen on that. And then there's um, there's a CIA, which um, well the Motor Point Arena, which it is now currently, which is something that I think you know we're, we're comparing things to Oxford. It's something that Oxford doesn't have, and it is mm. is a boon to have that. So they have they are able to attract the really big names. Um, I've not been, but there may be something that will come that I will decide I do want to go to. Okay. Um, a quick mention for any former venues from your previous sojourn. Yeah, well, the, the Point, which is yeah. which is a fantastic venue, bankrupted because they had a noise complaints and had to put in the soundproofing, mm. and it and it um, it um, yeah it cost them basically. The Coal Exchange, which is uh, another venue very very close to there, down by the bay, it's recently opened as a really swanky or wanky as you might want to put it hotel. Um, and then there's the Barfly, uh, which is an underground venue uh, by the Castle. Uh, which is a really good um, now to be fair it's a really good little sort of real stroke craft ale place 
um, called Hot Bunker, which um, we might possibly go to after the recording. Possibly. Okay. Um, but it, but Barfly was a good a good little underground venue, um, sort of on a par with the uh, with the cellar in Oxford in terms of um, the sort of restricted views and low ceiling and things. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, and you mentioned Woman Bee Street yeah. there, and there's a campaign at the moment. Save Woman Bee Street. What's that all there about? There is there is a campaign. Uh, I think it is still ongoing. It's kind of achieved its its immediate um, objectives. I think, to be honest. So that's why I'm kind of bit not sure how how what the sort of status is. So the, the street, um, like I say, has got a lot of things going on. It. It's got club. It's got um, the moon. It's got um, full moon. It's got fuel. But it had a sort of series of blows earlier this year. So it also had Dempsey's, which I mentioned before with Los Campesinos. Um, now that um, got closed, um, and it, it's been replaced by what can really only be described as a sort of upmarket walkabout, which Brains Brewery have, um, have created in conjunction with Gareth Bale. So mm. Gareth Bale, it's, it's kind of, if you look in, it's a weird kind of shrine museum. It's got Bale shirts in glass cabinets and stuff, and, um, you know, they do this whole kind of burger and, you know, glass of wine or pint or whatever and you're watching your football but it's a bit classy than walkabout but it's not really in the right place for that and there's a lot of resentment in, on the Cardiff music scene that this has been this this sort of quite iconic place has been turned into a yeah a very weird sort of sports bar yeah um, and uh, so um, on top of that uh, the full moon closed um, I think it was closed by the lease was the lease holding it, 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 the full moon got closed anyway um and uh, I think by concerns by by investors or something like that. And then there was also a noise abatement order issued against Fuel. Um, so Fuel, like I say, is a rock club, um, a pretty hard rock club. It's not like a um, sort of like a rock city place. It has the odd gig on here and there. Um, but that was a, that was a case where they had a, a one member of the public who's moved into a local flat and then was complaining and they complained to door staff and then. They'd had a meeting with management. Management thought they'd sorted it out, and the next thing you know, they're getting served with an abatement order by the council. Um, and on top of that, there's uh, a bit of derelict land next to club. They were talking about building a seven-story apartment block on, and also Weatherspoons on that road, the Gatekeeper Pub. They're talking about building a hotel above above that. Right. Um, so there's a whole range of threats um, on top of all the threats we've already talked about in the live music episode to that road. Um, now, since since uh, all this happened, the Full Moon has actually reopened as a community space um, run by a, a group called the Creative Republic of Cardiff. Um, that's basically comprised of former staff um, from the Moon, from the Moon, from sorry, from the Full Moon. Um, so now it's called the Moon, um, and there's been a general fight back in the shape of this campaign, the, the Save Wimby Street campaign. Um, a whole a whole mobilised all sorts of people, bands, promoters, venues, fans and local councillors and politicians obviously had to get on the side as well. There's been things like a march to the City Hall, there's been petitions, there's been letters to the councillors, um, but it's now been announced, which is the really good news, it's been announced that not only um, is Wales going to adopt the agent of change principle, which means that if um, if someone moves into, or a business moves into an area, then they're the ones that have to adapt to the um, existing circumstances rather than vice versa so for instance this would mean that um, <clears throat> any new apartments built would have to be soundproofed the onus would be on them rather than on the venues um, so that's really good news the other thing is that the, the street itself is going to be treated as a, a, a sort of um, a place of special cultural significance so it's going to be have some kind of protection which is which is really good news um, I think it's, it's definitely the, the sort of beating heart of the scene um, and it would be a terrible shame. <clears throat> it looked it looked very 
very bleak to be honest for the for the street earlier this year so yeah it looks much better now sounds like the campaign's had a good effect yes yeah um just quickly a few other things uh we're hoping to start a new series of podcasts which are interviews just jumping on that bandwagon that mark Marin and other people have been doing uh which is going to run parallel and be available via the itunes feed and the uh, podbean feed uh, watch out for those. We're hoping to get a local Oxford promoter, Simon Bailey, on quite soon for that. So promoters generally, yeah, you know, I, I, in car- as far as Cardiff is concerned, who would you say? Are doing I don't know a great deal. I mean, um, there's a there's a, a, a group called Joy Collective, um, and they're they're putting on. Um, so they did the Sacred Pause gig. I think they may have done one or two other things. I've been to. They they're putting on the sort of events that Los Campesinos and the kind of indie pop crowd might have. Um, might have played at or enjoyed a decade ago. Yeah. Um, they're, they're, they're definitely doing some good stuff. I think they might be involved as well with a new venue I didn't mention. There's a sort of, I think it's called the Transport Club, which I think is a working men's club that's not in the city centre. Yeah. They're trying to put on gigs. Um, that strikes me as the sort of thing that they might be trying for a sort of brutal social club in Leeds type feel. Yeah. Um, how that's going, I don't know. I really want to go to a gig there at some point and find out. Um, then there's lesson number one who've been going for years. That is. Um, Noel Gardner, I mentioned Noel. That's his kind of yeah. bit on the side. So he does a lot of um, it's, it's kind of a lot of metal and hardcore, and he does things in Cardiff. He does things in Newport. Um, generally, generally Cardiff and Newport. Um, the, the other promoter I was going to mention is um, called Fueled by Jealous Lovers. Um, I think they do they do things other places, but primarily I've seen things they put on at club. Um, they're largely focused on on punky things of all all descriptions. Um, what's interesting about them is that they they don't just promote music. They <clears throat> often the gigs that they put on they have a, a stall next to the merch stall um, for um, a charity called Heads Above the Waves, which is a, an anti-depression um, sort of self-harm charity. Mm. Um, actually, have a shop in the Castle Emporium over the road from club. Right. Um, so they support that. They also interestingly on their gigs insist on um, gender-neutral toilets. Right. which is something that you know, I think again it's really good to see a, a promoter um, promoting their values as well just Bam was doing it yeah. um, so I think that's really good um, and they've put on some, some good gigs I've seen as well uh, just as an aside you mentioned that uh, Sacred Pause gig a couple of times is it any good? Yeah, very good yeah very yeah. good because yeah. I really like their album oh it's great it's really good really good really good. Yeah, so yeah. they're from Glasgow I'm afraid so slightly off topic <laughs> but anyway uh, well they're from Glasgow but they also played I'm going to talk about festivals they played Wales Goes Pop yeah well, and so. on, on the subject of festivals I mean I'm aware in Wales generally of Green Man although it's in that kind of nether region that's on the border you know yeah. a bit like the Hay on Y book festival you know it's like one of those ones that's a little bit of a grey area although Green Man definitely is a Welsh it, has, it often has the uh, Welsh weather put it that way yes yes <laughs> it's yeah, often very wet one or two other ones well know, on, on the subject of Green Man I mean it it uh, it's it's easily accessible from Cardiff. Um, it started out as a folk festival, um, and I, I think I've been a couple of times, and it does feel like the whole of Cardiff music scene kind of decamps there for the weekend. Yeah, um, it's got a it's always got a good lineup. This Great year, bill, yeah. this year is no exception. It's got things you would expect, like um, potentially you expect like PJ Harvey, Angel Olsen. I would love to see. Um, it's got um, Ryan Adams. It's got Lamb Chop. But what you might be more surprised to see on on the Green Man Bill, um, or the kind of more fringes, and certainly the festival that started out as a folk festival this year, they've got Ronnie Size, they've got um, yeah. Lift Experience, they've got Liars, um, they've got Sleaford Mods, I and mean, I think mm. it'll be really interesting. The, the lineup is great again; it's always good, and um, it, it's also it's one of those festivals that um, 
reliably sells out, so it's, it's sold out again this year as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, other things in terms of sort of coming back to Cardiff though, um, there's the Soon Festival. Um, Soon meaning noise. S W N. Yeah, mm. yeah, and it's um, that's I think it was, I, have, I think I'm pretty right in saying it's one of the first. Um, sort of multi-venue city centre festivals that there were along in sort of like Dot to Dot mm. and um, uh, The Great Escape in Brighton I think Camden Crawl I think the, the, it was one of the first I think um, it was set up by John Rostron um, who's also helped to establish uh, the Welsh Music Prize which is quite interesting mm. and that's the kind of Welsh equivalent of the, the Mercury um, it's been running the Soon Festival I think has run for a decade now um, but they're not actually having one this year. I think there's a slightly uncertain future for the festival. They kind of feel like it may have got a bit too big for things, but um, which is typical as soon as I move here, because they, they've, they've had great lineups again in the past. Um, then there's um, there's also smaller festivals as well as Goes Pop, which I just mentioned. Um, that one takes place in in April, I think, generally each year at uh, Gate uh, Arts Community Centre. So it's like an arts centre rather than an all gig venue. This year it was actually on the Easter weekend. I'm not sure quite how that will have affected turnout, but it was on the Easter weekend. Um, it definitely feels to me like the culmination or, or the continuation of the, the indie pop scene of a decade ago. Yeah. Um, so a lot of the same sort of bands played. Lost Campus was actually headlined one nights last year, so that was a bit of a sort of homecoming. Um, this year they had uh, the likes of Toy and Honey Blood and Fear of Men playing and Sacred Paws as well. Yeah. Um, and then the other one that I was going to mention is is from now on, and that's another festival. That, again, it, it happens in an arts centre, which is in Chapter, which is out again in Canton, near near where I'm living. Um, that's a, I think it would, I think it describes itself as an experimental pop festival. I, there's a bit less of the pop and a bit more of the experimental in there. I think um, it was set up by a chap called Mark Damon Thomas, um, who, when I was first in Cardiff, was in a band called Attack and Defend. He's now in Islet. Um, who some people might have seen they're a kind of weird um, they haven't really got a front person lots of percussion going on a really really interesting band and they I think they usually play the event they played this year um, so last year they had a real coup uh, real coup and that they had Julia Holter headlining yeah. so it's quite you know that was a yeah. real stature um, this year <clears throat> possibly slightly lower key um, the announcements were, were quite um, not short notice but it was uh, I think it's moved around in sort of time as well. So it's been in February before, but this year it happened in May. Um, the, the the sort of main headline act this year, I guess you would say, was um, very local. Um, was Griff Reese, yeah. but he wasn't doing any super furry stuff, and he wasn't doing his own stuff. What he was all his own solo material. He was doing performing a piece commissioned by a Catalan architect um, who invited him to respond to a prison that he designed. So that's the kind of festival that from now on is. Um, apparently the, the piece was um, met with a bit of bafflement but other stuff at the uh, at the, the festival that I think went down really well and it's a really good thing to have on your doorstep I think certainly um, so you're looking sceptical well that last <laughs> thing brought to mind a couple of issues one was uh, we should quickly mention that one of the other members of Super Fairies has been involved in a very good project called Gulp which, yes. which has produced one album I think there's another one coming which has been great and in terms of sort of landmark Welsh releases maybe of this this age that's probably going to be right up there I would have thought also in terms of musical artists getting involved in art projects at the weekend I went to see Tindersticks at the Barbican <laughs> they started off by doing like an hour long film musical accompaniment to it which was completely tedious and shocking um, and really really self-indulgent and then thankfully came back and did a sort of 45 minute set that was typically of them utterly brilliant 
so I just wander sometimes. I'd also say that one of our side projects, which is the Two Unfortunates football blog, we used to run a small series called Championship Chow, and one of the uh, one of the entries to that was Chapter, which was somewhere it's near enough to Cardiff City. If you're going to a game, I was going to say Ninian Park, but of course it's the new. No, it is, it's, we, we went there for the Newcastle game this year. Yeah. It's good for that. It's it's, um, it's one of those places where it's got they don't actually have a lot of music place. on now, which no. is which is a bit of a shame. They've got films, haven't they? It's got two cinema screens. It's got theatre. It's got comedy. It's got lot. It's got art. You know, gallery. It's got it's got yeah. lots of stuff going on. I mean, I have to say. Um, a large reason I go there is because it's got a really good bar. Yeah, <laughs> a really good bar. Um, back in back when I was living here first, it did actually have quite a lot of gigs on, but not not or quite a few, but not many. They had they had a band called Black Peaches, I think it was the other day. Mm. Um, but they haven't really got much on, so that's why from now on I think is is good because it's kind of keeping them in that kind of loop, really. Yeah, and I mean, even if they don't do that much music, this is all part of the ecosystem, kind of cultural events and yeah. goings on. <clears> and I think yeah. in a smaller city like Oxford or Cardiff, I think people have a tendency even if they haven't heard of a band or haven't heard of a film to kind of go there in order to support what's going on because it's it's a significant thing in the city yeah chapter yeah. is a, a real uh, it's a real kind of hub so you know it you go in there I've, you know griff reese is often in there <clears throat> i went in walked in the day and the first person i saw was jack eggleston i think that's the name the, the drummer from future to the left yeah. um it, it, there's a lot of there's a lot of sort of scene going on there even though there's not actually a lot of music going on they have a lot of good music films on there yeah um so that's why i saw lost in france which is the film about the glasgow sort of chemical underground scene yes um yeah. they've had the the recent uh, sergeant pepper's film on in there and a few other things um, so it's, it's a good place. It, it isn't, even though it's not necessarily having that much that music on these days. There's, it's a good, it's a good sort of focal point, I think. Yeah. Uh, quick word about the record labels that. Are oh yeah, record labels. Their stuff. Um, Turnstile, I guess, are possibly the main one. Um, I, I don't, I don't know that much about um, about record labels here yet. But Turnstile, I think, are possibly the main ones they've done. Um, they produce things by Griff Reese, Kate LeBon, Islet, H Hawkline, who is a solo artist but also plays with Kate LeBon. Um, Joanna Gruesome they've also actually um, non-Welsh acts uh, Perfume Genius I think is, is yeah. UK stuff song Turnstile uh, which is interesting because I don't know if there's any connection but Tom Bromley the songwriter from Lost Capucinos has actually been in um, Perfume Genius's band so whether that's any kind of connection I don't know um, and the band Girls as well they're also on Turnstile oh, yeah. mm-hmm. um, Turnstile also seem to have a management uh, arm so they've, they've got Griff Reese and Kate LeBorn and Gweno um, but also people like Emmy the Great and Charlotte Church they're doing yeah. Charlotte Church as well for the uh, pop dungeon thing which sounds absolutely fascinating a lot of people there we hadn't mentioned up to now and obviously Charlotte Church apart is a really obvious one is on the cover of Loud and Quiet this month is she alright uh, yeah, yeah. I, I mean Gweno actually I would say that album that came out well, four, I was, four years ago is like quite yeah, significant I was yeah. going to mention that in the kind of Welsh language thing but yeah. that, that is that, yeah. it's great yeah. um, there's the shape the shape now um Shape of the, the is a label founded by Mark Damon Thomas, the chap behind Isla and uh, and from now on. Now he's actually, I was asking him about this. He's actually got in touch with us today and sent us a couple of links. Um, so they they were actually founded um, in about two thousand six, uh, so that Mark could sign himself. Effectively, he was he wanted a label to put out attack and defense material. Um, he since put out uh, things by H Hawkline, uh, Sweet Babu, who we're gonna, whose album we're going to talk about. Plus also. A really good band who I'm not sure they're still with us. A band called Truckers of Husk who were around in, in when I was first here. A sort of m- very much math rocky sort of band. Right. Um, really, really good. Um, he's actually said 
So, so it was set up to for his own benefit, but he's now actually said that as of sort of February, I think this year, he's not actually going to release anything that isn't his own projects. Uh, he's kind of he said he's kind of done with it. Um, he's he's not massively keen on the idea of being seen as some kind of industry figure or or gatekeeper. I think he's in fact he's in the, the article he, he sent us. He was basically arguing that the whole point of starting a label was not to be seen as a gatekeeper to make your own gates effectively. Yeah. So he's kind of I think that's why he's why he's, he's put, a, put a stop to it. But they they put out some good things. Shape. Um, Oddbox is an interesting one. It's an indie pop label that's relocated to Cardiff from London. Uh, and then there's Bubble Rap Collective, which has a lot of the folk side of things. Uh, the Gentle Good again. Um, Pesky uh, has actually now been dissolved. That was dissolved, I think, last year. That's the label that released... Um, I think it had a bit more Welsh language stuff on Pesky. Right. Um, but it had um, music from Gweno and Kate Lebon. I think... Uh, what's his name? Reese someone... I can't remember his surname now. Is a guy who founded the label. I think that's Gweno's husband. I think. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. And producer. And Ben, you've been obviously in the past. Both yourself and myself have written quite a bit for an Oxford music magazine, Night Shift, which we covered, I think, in one of the early pods when Ronan Munro, the longtime editor of that publication, came on the pod. And you've quickly found yourself new quarters for your your literary talents. <laughs> well, it's 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 more a matter of uh, being able to hear new albums and go to lots of gigs. To be honest, but it's yeah. it's, it's great. Um, so it's, it's Buzz is the magazine I'm writing for. I mentioned it before. Um, it's not an exclusively music focused publication. They've got like a review section. Um, they have the review section for the on in the magazine for um, <clears throat> records and singles. Um, and they do also do previews, but anything, any live reviews only go on a website. Um, so, um, so it's not specifically about music. It's also film, culture, food, all sorts of things, politics, all sorts of things. Um, and it's also focused, I guess, it's largely on Cardiff, but but not just on Cardiff. Um, so I think I think there is actually, and uh, what they do is they they will promote. Um, we review things, uh, all sorts of things, releases, American releases, all sorts of releases. Um, and we also review lots of things of bands coming to town. If there's local things going on, those will be reviewed as well. Um, but there isn't really, and I've had Noel back me up on this, Noel Gardner, that there isn't really at the minute, he doesn't think, an equivalent of Night Shift in Cardiff. There isn't a, a publication that focuses exclusively on music or exclusively on promoting local artists. Obviously in Night Shift there's reviews of touring bands, but the the releases is always focused on local stuff so he, he kind of feels like there might be a scope for something and I, you know that's interesting to know so I think partly what I'm saying is that as much as I'm enjoying writing for Buzz and I really am enjoying it uh, I think night, it makes me kind of feel Night Shift you know, appreciate Night Shift even more for what it is really um, for oh, what service it provides to, the, to, to Oxford it's so. such a unique thing really and I think the, the triumph of a kind of paper magazine that attracts advertising like that that has been built up over sort of 25 years yeah. of trust I think it's <clears throat> like a hard thing in this day oh, and yeah. age to, oh, yeah. to replicate but I mean I, I think yes I mean I think you're right I think that's always a dilemma isn't it with the the balance between the, the kind of local coverage and the national coverage I think I think one thing Night Shift could possibly do dare I say it is possibly 
you know, give a little bit more publicity to its kind of established bands, you know, the Oxford bands that are established, you know, and, and I think like I think Rolling Stones feels like once they've once they've done, yeah, they've got yeah. they've broken out of Oxford, the kind of job's almost done. But I, yeah, I, I kind of I think in terms of drawing in a few more readers, maybe, <coughs> yeah, I, I guess, then, I guess. Know, that, but I mean, that's the whole and I to say. But I think Buzz. I mean, certainly what I've seen of it, all Ben's stuff is available to read online. We'll yeah. post up plenty of links after yeah. this. There's yeah. some other tremendous writers on there it's a nice, it's a nice glossy kind of colour thing it's yeah. got the other but I mean they have their own I'm sure they have their it's own well issues wide as well isn't it but yeah. yeah I think you know, you know I don't want to sort of um, sort of get noses to you know noses, noses up here but um, but knows that a joint but it's kind of South Wales focus I think because that's yeah. where a lot of the cultural things are going on you know yeah I mean rightly or wrongly North just Wales rightly or wrongly I think sometimes you know it's much nearer to kind of Liverpool Manchester yeah, isn't it so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but it's you know, it's, it's quite a nice sort of glossy magazine. The website's really good. They do lots of events. They had a whole series of workshops, sort of creative workshops back yeah. in May that was really good. But like I say, it's not it's not exclusively about music. And I've been writing about other things. I've written film reviews. I've done food reviews. Um, but it, it so there is potentially a gap for like something just to promote local bands. I think. It's yeah, good. I mean, when I jetted into uh, Cardiff earlier on my, my chauffeur um, the first thing I asked him to do was to drop me off <laughs> in my sort of sounding board 69 number plate car at uh, Spiller's Records which is in a lovely arcade I mean Cardiff is actually a lovely city for arcades and the cover market is absolutely fantastic as well so th- those are definitely highlights of the kind of street scene downtown uh, Spiller's Records tremendous record shop isn't it Ben oh I mean, it's brilliant yeah brilliant yeah, yeah, so it's, yeah. it's- Legendary, I think, rightly so. So I think, in case anyone's not not heard of it, is uh, I think agreed that it's the the oldest record shop in the world. I think it's founded in eighteen ninety eight. I don't know how how long it's been a family business for, but certainly it currently could be considered a family business. And that it's run by it's been inherited by Ashley and Grace Todd from their dad Nick. Um, it's a sort of shop there. Um, when I've got one myself people proudly wear t-shirts and have tote bags with the Spillers name on as if it's like a band that you're kind of supporting yeah. um, I bought a t-shirt tonight and you can see it good. laid out on the, <laughs> on the there's actually a bed in the studio curiously but, uh, which uh, we've uh, we've um, you can see it I bought it earlier on and you can get Welsh or English language version t-shirts can you know I'm not, yeah. sure, you, I'm yeah. not sure you could always do that yeah um, so they uh, um, they actually had a they do like an annual calendar and they get everyone wearing their Spillers t-shirts on the city hall steps or they certainly did the year that I took part in it. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so it's um it's it's a resilient resilient little place. It's survived several moves. It used to be when I first uh, came to Cardiff and I think it had been for a long long time, maybe since it opened, beyond the Hayes, um, which is a sort of wide pedestrianised boulevard um, or pedestrianised now anyway. With the development of the St David's Two shopping centre. Um, they were effectively priced out of the rents. Mm. <clears throat> they got accused by um, one of the developers of standing in the way of progress, which I think got a lot of people's backs up. That old chestnut. Um, yeah, and uh, so they've they kind of I guess it was it was seen as being forced into the arcades. And they've actually moved at least once in the arcades. Um, the arcades are, are definitely a, a real um, you know gem in in Cardiff's crown. They're, they're beautiful, beautiful beautiful arcades and it fits perfectly in with lots of other independent businesses in there um, so it's in Morgan Arcade um, I think you know times have been tough for them but they've they've kind of got through the vinyl boom I think it's probably helping them um, they seem to have an ability to attract a complete range of customers from 
proper music nerds to people who are you know sort of middle you know don't want to stereotype but people who are kind of wandering in sort of mid middle late age just they've heard something on the radio they want to get something or they've or they've just uh, you know an occasional purchase so there seems to be and the, the staff are really friendly always happy to recommend things um, I think they're, they're they're good like truck in Oxford for recommending and and championing local acts through. Um, particularly through sales they do have some in stores as well they have in stores buy out of town acts as well sometimes um, I'm not sure whether they still do this or whether it's now gone online um, but they they used to have like an old school message board as well so it was quite a good place for um, connecting band members effectively so bands meeting through through the, their message board so it's a, a vital I think part of the the community um, spillers There's, there are actually one or two other things that have cropped up though I think um, yeah. now in my first time in Cardiff I wasn't aware of this but you've mentioned the indoor market but Kelly's is a I think again a really long running but it's a second hand shop upstairs in, in the current market and they have acres of vinyl to, to wade through so yeah. have, you, have you been no I no, haven't no, but if, you, if you go to the indoor market you should definitely always go in on the lava bread oh no no you've got to go upstairs it's upstairs on the balcony yeah, yeah, yeah. there's the stuff on the, on the upstairs balcony is a bit patchy. There's not um, there's not that many stalls, but they've kind of seemed to have started somewhere and kind of started taking over pictures as it's gone round. They've got yeah. loads of pictures now, and it, it's great to browse. Um, a couple of new kids on the block. Um, I guess following a sort of trend here with that makes me think of Pie and Vinyl in um, in South Sea um, of sort of combining record sales with something else something mm. gastronomic um, there's Outpost which is based in the Castle Emporium right opposite Club on uh, Club E4 Bach on Wollongby Street and that that is a really good coffee place very small coffee place kind of in a in the middle of a sort of a it's a bit like if you know Manchester a bit like Affleck's Palace mm. that sort of place with a coffee place in the middle uh, called Outpost but they also sell vinyl yeah um, like new vinyl not, um, not second hand uh, and they always have something spinning on a record player mm. um and then there's a new place which hasn't actually opened yet, I think, called um, which really uh, piqued my interest. Pop and Hops. Now, this is a venture by the Oddbox record label. Actually, mm. they're opening up on Whitchurch Road, which has a few good little restaurants and bars and things. Um, and it's going to be selling music and craft beer. Right. And I saw on Twitter the other day that they uh, just had done a great big Ramon stencil on the wall. So I thought this definitely sounds like somewhere for me. Yeah. So I shall be going there when it opens up. Yeah, I have to say, I, I did pop my head in the door of uh, Pretty Green, which is uh, the uh, yes. very overpriced uh, clothing outlet that was devised by Liam Gallagher. I that's think. just down from Spurs, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. that's right. Um, quite a nice premises, actually, but they are selling some records, but predictably pretty trad. Um, right. Although they do have they did have proudly displayed Screamadelica, which I think on our second episode yes. was sort of featured as... And it, what else, it was what else did they have? Just 20 year anniversary. Oh, it was well, 60s stuff. And... No, they didn't have right. Weller and Oasis. <laughs> but it was more kind of trad. It was like 60s. You know, it was like, yeah. you know, Dylan, Beatles. From what I remember, anyway. I mean, it was just entirely predictable. Yeah. Know, certainly no Los Campesinos in there. So. No, the, um, the, the, that, I mean, that, whole, that arcade and all the arcades are, are really, really nice. Well worth exploring oh, yeah, for, for all sorts of things. But, um, yeah. Good coffee places, good delis, yeah. good all sorts. Yeah. yeah, which we're seeing that kind of trend quite a lot all over the country, and I guess you could call it the hipster thing. And it's know, quite nice that they're not being purpose built, though. They're kind of what they're near the. Oh yeah, absolutely, and, just and, wonderful kind of architecture. Yeah. Uh, just to sort of round off our discussion about Cardiff and Wales in general, just I think it would be remiss of us not to quickly talk for a couple of minutes about the Welsh language scene. Yeah. 
so yeah, I, I'm, I have to say I'm not really familiar with much uh, much about this really. Um, so I actually spoke to my friend Garant, who's a, a Welsh speaker and lived in Cardiff for a number of years. He does, actually lives in North Wales now, um, so he feels a little bit out of touch. But he gave me some good pointers. So he was so, saying that if you want a sort of starting point for Welsh language music, you, you're talking about um, some chaps called uh, Garant John and Mike Stevens, the kind of daddies, um, a band that. Um, we would probably be more inclined to like <coughs> that bluggy. Um, I think I pronounced that right. It means development. Um, they're the kind of Welsh language equivalent of the Fall, um, whose lead singer actually taught Geraint's brother Dan. Um, it was a very interesting teacher, given if you imagine he's, he's the kind of equivalent of Marky e. Smith in yeah. Welsh. Um, Fuck Offy Paub, um, that's Griff Reese's band before Superfury Animals. Uh, I'm not. I can't remember exactly what "fuck off" power means, but you can imagine why they chose the name in Welsh because it has an interesting meaning in English as well. Yeah. Um, uh, I mean, in terms of things, it's sort of Welsh language acts around at the at the minute that are worth mentioning. Gweno, we have mentioned. She's so she's Gweno Saunders. She's formerly of the Pipettes. Um, I don't know if yeah. remembers them. Um, her album that Rob mentioned. I can't remember the name of it now. It's a Welsh title. I can't. It's very good. Um, yeah. It's uh, it won the Welsh Music Prize that we mentioned. Yeah. Um, very sort of motoric. Sort of shoegaze pop, really. Yeah. Um, she's actually also sung in Cornish, and we know that she's sung in Cornish because right. her two native languages are Welsh and Cornish. Right. So <laughs> I thought only one person spoke Cornish, so maybe uh, not a, as, a, as a first language speaker. Maybe not. Right. Um, yeah. 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 Maybe. Yeah, maybe it's maybe she's not first language, yeah. but certainly she was. She, she's she's recorded a song in Cornish. Um, Garrett mentioned Candelas. Uh, they. He said he did say that the, in the Welsh scene, language scene, there seems to be a lot of. Arctic Monkeys copyists and I listened to them and they sounded like they sounded like good Arctic Monkeys as in after they'd had the brush with Josh Holland Queens of the Stone Age but they did sound a bit Arctic Monkeys yeah um, Fug or I'm not sure I'm pronouncing that right Double F-U-G a bit of a sort of punky rock band they they sometimes sing in Welsh but they, they did have some English stuff online as well um, he was saying that, you know there's kind of um, in terms of what genres you kind of associated with with Welsh language um as you might imagine, there's a, there's a really strong folk element. Um, mm. There's a bit of a folk revival going on at the minute. He he, he was saying um, Welsh language folk has been strong for years. Sort of the protest aspect, the connection to to the mm. country, and all the rest of it, and sort of nationalistic aspects. But he said interesting that um, and this is this is something that passed me by ten years ago. He said that you know the Welsh hip hop scene was very very strong. Mm. Um, again, I think it's probably limited to the unlike the folk scene probably limited to the the sort of urban areas like Cardiff and Swansea but Tistian he was mentioning in Cardiff big name we, you know we don't have to mention Goldie Looking Chain but yeah. you know there was there was a, a really strong um, sort of se- and serious hip hop scene in Wales in, in the Welsh language um, what he I mean he made some very interesting points about Welsh language generally. He, he's, a, he's a proud nationalist and he's mm. a proud Welsh speaker, living in a, in a very Welsh-speaking part of the country up near um, Bangor. Um, but he, um, you know, he said that the sort of decision of the Super Furies and Catatonia and Gorkies, who all originally sang in Welsh, mm. their decision to sing in English was was seen as really quite contentious. But it almost seen as the only option to them in a way because it, it was the only way they were going to gain access to a greater market, really, mm. and get more exposure. Um, success. There's a sort of a. He he said, you know, English is a lingua franca and has a limited appeal. He admitted there's obviously a very limited appeal for <coughs> the Welsh language beyond the Welsh border. Um, I think Gweno, I read an interview or heard an interview with her. She was saying that she feels like um, almost like a duty to, to sing in Welsh, or, or that it's people should appreciate, you know, the 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 sound and the feel of the words, even so they understand the meaning. 
Um, but uh, Garang was also quite frank about it, and he said that he, he thinks that a lot of the Welsh language bands at the minute just aren't good enough to compete in the English mm. language um, sort of market, as it were. Um, so they they wouldn't they're not going to cross over in the way that Super Furries and Catatonia and Gorky's Zygotic Monkey were able to do. Mm. Um, you know, Gweno he said is is a, is a rare success. Um, and, then, and finally, just, you, you touched on the, the aspect of the, early about the politics of things. He said very interestingly, um, in the past, Welsh language music had a very definite sort of political edge to it, whereas now it, it seems to be a bit of a sort of it's all about the music man type thing. Yeah. Um, but that said, it could still be seen as a bit of a political statement just to sing in Welsh and insist on singing in Welsh. So there's still a political dimension to it, I think. Um, now, in terms of how much I've, of this I've actually come across in Cardiff, um, none. Now, I may be looking in the wrong places, but um, it's not it's not a very big thing on, on my horizon anyway. I think he, he's living in north-west Wales, a bit of a bastion of um, Welsh language speaking. I think a lot of... Um, there's a lot more going on there. There's apparently there's a lot going on around Blyneth for Stinyog as well. Quite sort of scar punk scenes there. Um, but, yeah... That would be natural, wouldn't it? Yeah, I think I so, couldn't yeah. agree more with Gweno about the, the, the sound of the, the language, which is absolutely beautiful. But uh, one thing I would say, as evidenced by Los Campesinos, just to sum up, is that you know Cardiff is quite an international multicultural city. Oh, yeah, absolutely. By no means everyone here is Welsh, as evidenced by the cast of the film Human Traffic, which was set here <laughs> 20 years ago now or so, where yeah. not a man jack of them seemed to be Welsh. <laughs> Uh, after this break we're going to be continuing the Welsh discussion with our album of the moment the album of the week album of the month whatever you want to call it which is Sweet Baboo's Wild Imagination so as promised the album of the month this month is Sweet Baboo's Wild Imagination Ben your thoughts um, well, this is his seventh, I think. I was quite surprised to find myself seventh. His seventh. Really? Yeah, I think I think I'm not sure they've all been studio albums, but um, so Sweet Babu is the uh, well, the name that a chap called Stephen Black goes under. Um, so he's a he's a North Walian by birth, um, but now definitely a nonary Cardiffian. I think he had a, a brief spell away from the city in uh, about 2007. <coughs> Excuse me, and. Uh, decided he, he didn't like living back in North Wales he moved back again he's been a part of the scene for a, a long time um, he's played alongside H. Hall Klein as part of Kate Bond's band uh, he's also played with Griff Reese. Um so yeah he's, he's quite well established on the scene so <clears throat> in terms of this this album um, I must say I hadn't really listened to a lot of his, his uh, previous stuff mm-hmm. um, I knew of him and I'd seen him live before um, this this album has got a lot of um, Gorky's are an influence I think on like the sort mm. of gentle sort of pastoral psychedelia the very gentle sort of side of things um, there's a lot of Beatles on there I think there's a lot of um, maybe it's because I've been reading a lot about Sergeant Peppers recently but there seems like a lot of that sort of period going into it um, I can hear Beach Boys in lots of things and I can hear Beach Boys in this um, and there's a there's a different sort of lightness of touch to it there's also I think there's, there's a sort of uh, Super Furies element as well the kind of some of the, the lighter stuff that, that Griff Reese has done solo Dandelion and things like that I think it's um, <coughs> sorry Candyline. I think it's um, it's kind of in the same sort of ballpark there's a there's a song on the album um, Pink Rainbow which has funk elements which normally I'd I'd shy away from but I think it works quite well um, vocally 
He's quite like he, he reminded, I don't know about you, but um, the last gig that we went to together in Oxford was um, the Wave Pictures. Yeah, his, his vocals remind me a bit of David Tattersall no, from the Wave yeah, Pictures. Cool. Kind of quite yeah. sort of clear. Um, they're unprocessed, quite sort of clear, quite high pitched sort of voice. Mm. Yeah, I like his voice quite a lot. Um, what did you, in terms of sort of tracks, was there anything that particularly stood out to you that you kind of? Well, not really. I mean, I think overall. I would say I found the instrumentation of the album to be really lovely and there was some as you say quite low key yeah yeah. Uh, I mean I, I guess if a guy's working broadly on his own I would guess that it's not going to be as fleshed out as say what the Super Fairies at their very best have got to offer but. I think he did do this in collaboration with a, with a couple of others yeah I think I, I read that his previous album he um, he did it on his own and thought that he wanted to be the kind of master of everything and then he realised that it was really hard work and then yeah. for this album, he's kind of <coughs> found it easier with working with people. I mean, he's, he's writing all the stuff, but um, I think it's been he's had help fleshing out, as it were. Yeah. So. Um, so yeah, I think the the um, instrumentation is 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 quite lush and really kind of beautiful in places. So I did enjoy that aspect of it. I just found that I thought it was a bit lacking in songs. I think too many times the chorus was repeated many many times and it was just the the refrain I'm on a roll is repeated over and over again in one song yeah yeah and and then I don't know if this was well it obviously was recorded pre-Corbin but you know it'll be a landslide result was another yeah, kind of yeah. refrain uh, I think just a few too many whoa whoa's whoa whoa's you know <laughs> when actually I'd have liked him to have maybe kind of you know come up with some lyrics for those those sections yeah and it reminded me a bit of an album that was released a few years ago now by an american artist called uberman in that respect that, that had a little bit too much of that whoa, 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 going on <laughs> so i don't know I, I was a little bit disappointed. i'm always it's difficult not to be prejudiced when you come to an artist for the first time and you understand that they've had six previous albums and that I just hadn't heard a single track. Yeah, um, yeah. That obviously says more about me than it does anyone, but at the same time, I like to think I do keep up with music and yeah. something in the press, if anything had been that brilliant, would have been brought to my attention. I sound as if I'm at the centre of the <laughs> universe, but 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 do you do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, I think yeah. I, mean, I think that the songs are quite slight. I think I, I kind yeah. of you mentioned to me before when we were talking about this uh, online that you. you felt it was lacking in choruses a bit and I kind of I'm not sure that the it's not got the it's certainly not a, a big anthemic album with the big the big really sort of no. uh, choruses in, in uh, you know, played up but I think I mean I, I did I did wonder whether I would say that this is not necessarily the sort of album that I would normally like I guess um, but it, it really resonated with me um, because I think and, and this bit of a personal thing really but the fact that it's kind of about his um about his son i think and his relationship with his son and i think you know that that spoke to me and uh, i guess and the title track wild imagination is about um so it's, it's a lot of the lot of the album is about escapism so there's the, the title track wild imagination is about that um escaping into fantasy really and and i think it's about the <clears throat> the sort of marveling at the 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 sort of childlike wonder that, that kids can have and open your perspective and I think I'm, you know, I'm naturally quite a cynical person um, and I think it's quite that, that that's something that I definitely uh, definitely took from the album but also there's the, the escapism of um, 
uh, Clear Blue Skies, which is basically the sort of geographical escapism. And that, that song, I think, for me, was a particularly... It's a particularly a standout. I think it's the fifth track, and it's significantly longer than the others. Um, it's got... It's quite different. It's got... It's it's very ambient. It's got a sort of droney feel to it. It's not got a lot of percussion to it, which gives it quite a sort of airy feel. Um, there's, a, there's a sort of instrumental section in the beginning, in the middle, rather, that... Um, he said he kind of sees as a bit of a sort of Brian Eno section. He sees he's going to he's going to stretch it out uh, playing live, and I thought that that would work brilliantly. Um, that's a great a great track. There's a track, the penultimate track, Humberside, which is a really interesting one. Is again, it's about geographical escapism, but I I couldn't imagine there'd be too many songs written about getting away from it all by going to Humberside. But, um, but it, it's a it's a it, I, to my mind it's a lovely song. It's got. Um, got a sort of whistle and a sort of shadowsy guitar that makes it feel a bit like a sort of western yeah. song but it's got a great Beach Boys ending as well um, another song that I, I really liked uh, Hold On which is I think number 7 which is um, about him returning from tour to see his, his son's smiling face it's got a sort of slightly melancholic feel about it I guess because he's kind of continually torn away from that and then comes mm. back to it but again that, that spoke to me personally I don't you know I didn't. I didn't love the album, but I certainly got a lot from it in the sen- on a sort of personal level. And I, the instrumentation, I think, is is lovely, really yeah. lovely. Um, and the Beach Boys sort of aspects of it, I, I, I definitely liked. Okay. To paraphrase the Master of Ceremonies at FA Cup draws, that concludes the pod. We're available on email at soundingboard69 at gmx.com. Well, our Twitter handle is at soundingboard69, and we also have a Facebook presence which you can just search for us. Do also leave us a review on iTunes if you like, because I understand that does boost the number of people whose attention we're brought to. Well, Ben, your long-running blog in recent months has become the de facto literary wing of the podcast. Where can, <laughs> where can we find that? Uh, it's uh, the uh, very wordy uh, silentwordspeakloudest.blogspot.com. Uh, there's lots of good stuff on there, and that's not just what Ben's been doing recently, but I mean, you've been doing it for over a decade. Uh, yeah, 2002. Yeah, started, yeah, yeah, so a long, long time. Uh, and well worth trawling through its archives it is too we'll be back with a July 2017 recording on 80s pop yes <laughs> form an orderly queue where we hope to welcome back David Cox and Amy Laurent where we shall be starting a brand new series of additional pods as I mentioned earlier interviewing various people from the music industry first up should be ace music promoter Simon Bailey who works across Leicester Wolverhampton and Oxford so he's got fingers in a few pies and is a great guy and that should be a very entertaining one He'll be lifting the lid on that part of the industry in particular without us pressing for too many secrets. We want to be polite. <laughs> for now, Harry Bernacci. 